talk nerdy to me. I like yeah. it. We're going to make t-shirts that say that. and welcome to meet me in the middle the podcast that seeks out a messy middle ground within the wellness world and sometimes just generally the world i'm manica buckle and i've been seeking the middle ground since 1982 <laughs> uh, my name's jenny omani i'm a registered nurse and business owner and i've honestly only been seeking the middle ground for like the past 24 months <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i was on like one side or the other i flipped yeah. sides but now I'm looking for the middle. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old binary view. Hi, my name is Lee Freiling. I am currently uh, doing my master's degree in counseling psychology. I'm a business owner. And my middle consists of just trying to figure out how to do nothing a lot of the time, because that's what my vertigo needs me to do. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's great. All right. So today we're going to talk about a little something called PFAS. Have you, have you heard of this? PFAS. I bet you have. You just don't oh, know like PFAS. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, not as like, I've never heard it said as a, and like name. That's I cute. have no idea what PFAS is. I, I mean, I mean, maybe I do. And you're just using a cool acronym that I don't know anything about, but oh, for sure. You don't know the long version of it. <laughs> no, no. It, it's gotta be Latin. No, it's, uh, stands for per and polyfluorinated substances. So these are sometimes called forever chemicals because they last so long in the environment and are found in everything from nonstick cookware to microwave popcorn bags, cardboard packaging, carpets, firefighting foam, stain repellent fabrics, the list goes on. So the week that we're recording this episode, the U.S. federal government is considering new rules and guidelines for the chemicals in the group called PFAS. And the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, has issued advisories and health-based guidelines for two PFAS compounds in particular, PFOA and PFO. So what are they and why does this matter? Why are we talking about this today? Before we we go any further, I want to disclose my own limitations. I have gained a deep appreciation for science over the last 10 years, but my formal science schooling ended in high school. Unlike most people I know, I never took chemistry or biology 12. I took earth sciences. (laughs) And so because the first part of this episode is going to be really science heavy, I'm just letting y'all know I'm going to do my best and I'm not an expert. Also, the three of us live in Canada, so I'm going to touch on U.S. regulations and issues, but I'm also going to talk about what things look like here in Canada, because very often we have different regulations from the U.S. on things like this. So if you're in the U.S. and you're listening to this and something doesn't jive with you, it's probably not relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Great disclosure. (laughs) Um, Okay, so PFAS or PFOA and PFOS stand for PER and polyfluorinated fluorinated substances say that five times fast mm-hmm. um this is Lee, exactly what i meant when i said you for sure don't know the long version of this if you don't know the short version of this no i did not <laughs> <laughs> in 1938 just a little bit of background a dupont scientist created the first pfas by accident during a lab experiment dupont eventually called it teflon which became a household name for its use on nonstick pans kind of like the kleenex tissue thing like we mm. call it all teflon even though it's not all actually teflon oh okay oh. Cool. what we call teflon today is really polytetrafluoroethylene goodness P-T- of course it is ptfe <laughs> which is just one of estimated thousands of pfas that exist today so more on that in a minute 
of note, I think it's significant to call out that in 1998, decades later, Scotch guard maker 3M notified the US EPA of their own volition, which I mean, this is cool, that a PFAS yeah. chemical was showing up in human blood samples. That's Gross. cool. Yeah, that's cool. At the Scotch guard is doing human blood <laughs> testing. <laughs> Look, you can dig into that if you want. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll actually, a little bit of what I'm going to talk about in a minute, we'll, we'll explain a little bit of that. I think again, is, is 3M a Canadian company? Why do I feel like it's a Canadian company? Am I making that up in my brain? I don't Probably. think it is. The, oh, you're thinking of the N95s? 3M makes N95s and they have factories in Canada, but I don't know if they're a Canadian company, but that's probably what you're thinking of. Yeah, it's quite possible. Okay, go so, on, continue. Very, very relevant in these days. <laughs> Who's Super. making those N95 masks? Um, so at the time, 3M said low levels of the manufactured chemicals had been detected in people's blood potentially as early as the 1970s. So what sets these chemicals apart is how incredibly stable they are. They're built around two atoms, carbon and fluorine, and the bond that forms between them is one of the strongest that exists today in organic chemistry that we know of. Not surprisingly, this means that they're hard to break down, hence the nickname forever chemicals. But it's also part of what makes them so useful for things that we like to use them for, like putting out fires or mm. preventing grease from leaking through your fast food wrapper or protecting mm. against water damage. And the strength of that bond is also why for so long, it was assumed that these chemicals couldn't react with living tissues and hence were safe. Mm. So the amount of these chemicals that enter the body each time you cook with a nonstick pan or eat a fast food hamburger in a wrapper in, in a PFAST contained, you know, paper wrapper is really actually not that big, but the problem is the way these chemicals build up in the body over time. If the only place you were ever exposed was one McDonald's wrapper one time, it wouldn't be a big deal. But the problem, of course, once it's okay in one place, it starts to show up everywhere. And I'll talk about right. that in a minute. So this is also what we have learned is they are bioaccumulative. As I learned this week, mm. bioaccumulation is the gradual accumulation of substances such as pesticides or other chemicals in an organism. Bioaccumulation occurs when an organism absorbs a substance at a rate faster than that substance is lost or eliminated. Hmm. Okay. Unlike pesticides or pharmaceutical drugs, which at least in Canada are strictly regulated, a significant portion of the thousands of types of PFAS on the market today have little or no data on their use, toxicity, long-term or short-term, and are not currently regulated and restricted in Canada. Cool. Worse, cool, cool. It's hard to gather any of that because so many of those details are considered trade secrets. Oh, because well, it's all like proprietary information. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, the combination right. we use on that is something we yes. specifically Yeah, yeah totally. So this I find really interesting. PFAS are prohibited from being manufactured in Canada, but exemptions allow them to be imported as raw materials in consumer and industrial products, right. which of course is the entire source of the problem. Right. <laughs> Basically Gosh. we say, oh, you know what? We think these are dangerous, so you can't make them here, but yeah, you can go ahead and use them in anything you want. Just you can, but you can buy them as long as they were made somewhere else. Right. Right. I mean, we can talk in detail in another episode about the environmental racism that that leads to, but we'll just right. table that for today. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So worse when a company wants to bring a new product or manufacturing component into Canada, I did not know this. The onus is on health Canada and or environment and climate change Canada to determine within just three months if it's safe. Hmm. 
with estimates of 90,000 plus chemicals used in Canada and the US, it kind of feels impossible. So where this leaves us is now we have several thousands of this PFAS substances that Canada doesn't even know the identity of and has no legal recourse to regulate. That means Canada doesn't have the authority to know which chemicals are used in which nonstick pan, which period undies, which firefighting foam. Period undies. No, come on now. Sorry. No. Sorry. That's not okay. There was actually beside vaginas. Come on now. (laughs) There was a uh, lawsuit actually earlier this year on um, Canadian manufacturer NYX which I'm sure yeah. you've heard of for no! the good news is it was dismissed because there wasn't enough scientific evidence to show that they were using PFAS, which they said they did not. And the um, person bringing the suit had, <laughs> I think the article I read said like, quote, little more than mommy blogger evidence. So Ooh, snap. <laughs> Ooh, well then. <laughs> And, and for the listener, what you just missed was Jenny with the saddest of sad faces, literally picking up her Nick's underwear and holding it beside her. <laughs> like what? They make Honey. the best. This is not a sponsored content. I love their underwear. They make the best underwear. Anyways. Good news. They, it's, they, they should be fine. Okay. okay. Well, and I would just like to say, um, I, there's also a good chance that like, if they did have any specific chemical residue, whatever, like that, is this something that could show up even, I mean, it doesn't in this case, but I bet you this could happen without a company even knowing they buy fabric or like hundred, whatever from yeah. that wholesaler like, so and they the, don't the core, know. right. That yeah. prevents you from getting it all over your pants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Liquid or- repellent. Oh yeah. Good point. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Good yeah. Point. So uh, I'm really I mean, glad Nix is safe here because I was going to be, I was going to have to stop this episode if we were going to be saying you like, this isn't okay. Cause I wouldn't the, be okay with that. Flip the proverbial <laughs> table. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think actually what it really highlights, um, and we'll talk about this more in a minute too, is just that there is to your point, Jenny, so much that is not known. Mm-hmm. It is very possible that there that they don't know and that there is, but we don't know and they don't know. And this is where that lack of transparency gets really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to specifically call out the disproportionate impact on Canada's Arctic and the people who live there. So because mm. these chemicals accumulate in the body, concentrations get higher as they move up the food chain because it's mm-hmm. happening in animals too, not just people. So those that eat marine animals, such as seals and belugas are among mm. the most vulnerable to PFAS chemicals. Great. Plus ocean and atmospheric circulation patterns deposit pollutants, including PFAS from elsewhere on the globe to areas on the planet's two poles. We already mm. know that Canada's North is more significantly impacted by climate change, food security, clean water, mm-hmm. This is just another piece, or if you will, strike. Yeah, it's already, I mean, uh, one of my very good friends um, spent a couple of summers doing environmental cleanup up north at the Dew Line. Um, And, you know, she talked about how it's one of the most vulnerable ecosystems in the world. Um, I think probably mostly because it's only not frozen for such a small period Mm. of time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So already there's, you know, huge environmental concerns up there and now we get to worry about this cool 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 
Cool. Good. Well, right. and <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because a lot of, you know, it's, you'll find answers like, well, you know, just, you know, stop eating the seals and the beluga. Oh, shut up. Right. <laughs> stop oh, it. Okay. I'll <laughs> completely abandon the traditional way of life of my people for centuries, millennia. Maybe. It's like also the only and also, not heavily taxed food source. Yeah, and then Jeez also Louise. spend $17 on half a watermelon. Well, oh, that's the thing. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not. Nope. I can't listen to that as a, <laughs> that's not an answer, not that's a solution. Not an answer. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, and this is ha- happened across Canada and the U S which is part of the reason there's a conversation, such a conversation happening right now. We've recently discovered that these are found in drinking water supplies across the U S and Canada in statistically significant amounts. Oh. Moreover, we also now know that they pose health risks, even at levels so low that we can't currently detect them. <laughs> And one of the final issues in looking at this, especially when looking at previous studies has to do the way with the way that experiments, experiential studies look at things versus looking at longitudinal data. So mm-hmm. let's dive a little bit into what science says about happens, what happens with bioaccumulation in our bodies. Um, one of the things that I just want to kind of add is one of the reasons, so this I needed an extension on researching this episode. And one of the reasons that I did is because I think it's very easy to find a study to say anything you want it to. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of times when we're looking at like science says, I'm using finger quotes when I say that X, Y, Z, we can also find quote unquote science saying a bunch of other things. We can find totally. studies cited uh, that are not in peer reviewed journals that, you know, may or may not be based on dubious numbers. Um, I, I wanted to make sure I really dug into ensuring that this is not just scare tactic media, that mm-hmm. this is actually right. something that science says. Well, yeah. Cause so, as soon as you say um, it's problematic poses health problems in undetectable levels. I'm like, then how do you know that's the problem if you can't detect the level? Do you know what I mean? Like, right. That's the first question that comes to my head is like, well, hold on a second. Is it? Yeah. So please, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you were able to come up with because this sounds very tricky. Totally. And so there's a couple of things again, experiential experimental studies versus longitudinal data is one big piece. Um, there are a few meta analyses, um, analyses, analysis Mm -hmm. analysis yeah yeah um which what's nice about that is you're looking at bringing together a number of different studies and kind of looking at higher level data but the gap traditionally in looking at this is um and this is a quote from one of the meta analyses and i'll link this in the show notes actually because i found i found it really interesting and fairly um accessible for somebody again who doesn't have anything over like a life sciences 11 (laughs) um Experimental studies were focused on acute and subchronic impacts resulting from high dose exposures to a single PFAS. More realistic exposures for humans and wildlife are a mixture exposures that are relatively chronic and often very low dose in nature. So we know when we study something in a lab versus in the world, let's say, you know, 80% of mice in a given study get thyroid dysfunction or cancer within six months of a high dose exposure. Well, that's not how it's happening for most people with some exceptions in the world. Mm -hmm. So 
this is where a lot of what we're seeing now in the compilation of data is interesting, if not also depressing. In both Canada and the US, when we realized in the early 2000s that this might actually be a bigger deal than we thought before, we started monitoring a few key things, including drinking water, blood, and breast milk. The US and Canada actually did some kind of cool hands across the border studies with breast milk, which always just like makes my heart warm. (laughs) And as much as we seek middle ground, I have to be honest that the more I read, the more it really looks like in a lot of ways, governments are afraid to label causation because of the implications. Right. Right. In fact, one of the biggest environmental health studies out of the US in 2018 was actively suppressed by the Trump administration because of the quote, public relations nightmare, it might cause the Pentagon and other polluters. Oh my God. Sometimes the conspiracy is real. The other side of that is it's been two years and it's a different party and that has not come out. Well, and so this is part of the reason that there is so much focus right now on looking at these studies, taking a deep dive into the things that the EPA is releasing um, and some of these larger meta-analysis, longitudinal data things that we haven't previously had the political desire. There's probably a backlog. Is there like (laughs) maybe a four-year backlog of things that need to be addressed that weren't addressed for a little while there? Not to mention like this particular administration is a little busy with a couple of other things that are going on right now. I'm not excusing because obviously. No, no, no. I just want to point out because I find like people tend to be like, well, this political party brought this Mm -hmm. in and it's like, sure, but nobody changed it afterwards. Yeah. And I think that, do you know what I mean? Like people tend to just blame the person who brought in the policy, but then it's like, sure. But like in Canada, you'd be like, there's been three other power has changed over so many times and zero of those other parties did anything. So it's just important to like, remember. Yes. 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 No matter which quote unquote party or side you're on, there's like history should make you feel uncomfortable. A hundred percent. Um, all of this to say there is what I will call at weakest, a very, very strong correlation between long-term health impacts for humans. And I'm just going to quickly list some of them because I think it's significant to a lot of the things that we hear spoken about in the wellness world. Mm. Testicular, kidney, prostate, ovarian cancers, high cholesterol, pregnancy-induced hypertension, thyroid disruption, hormone changes, liver obesity, immunotoxicity, delayed puberty, increased fertility, early menopause, reduced testosterone, changes in bone density, and even worse right now, it seems that PFAS chemicals can dampen the antibody response to vaccinations in people. Hmm. Whoa. So that's besides- like a real, that's like a real laundry basket of bad <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's like yeah. on all that's like covers a couple sides of spectrums too. Yeah. So besides now feeling, feeling terrible about everything, why, <laughs> why did I think we should jam on this today? Yeah. Why I'm, I'm kind of excited for us to get into this part because I see so much of kind of the underlaying roots of this inside the wellness world again mm-hmm. and again, within the wellness world, we hear and see warnings about quote unquote toxins. As, we, mm-hmm. as we've talked about before on this show, sometimes it feels really scare tactic-y. You know, we've had conversations around the freedom personally, the three of us have felt in kind of relaxing some of the quote unquote rules around quote unquote clean and dirty foods for our families. If you haven't mm-hmm. listened to our EWG episode, go back and check that out. And 
this is a real thing that has been at best unknown and at worst dismissed that has real world health implications for people. So mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts on this? Where, where do we find the middle ground between those two things? I think it's hard because not only is the word and the term and st- that goes along with toxin scare tactic, nothing. It also just screams. I don't know what I'm talking about because people label everything. They're like, they use in the wellness world, chemical and toxic get used inter toxins get used interchangeably. And I'm like, dude, this glass of water here is a chemical. Like everything's made of chemicals. So it just, I, I immediately, as soon as somebody talks about toxins, especially when they're that very stereotypical wellness world person with like little to no post relevant post-secondary education, like clearly selling something, um, that ties into the topic they're sort of fear mongering on. I just, I'm very quick to just be like, Nope, because, um, I don't know, like, I'm not going to get that information from that source, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this is, but I do also appreciate that. Um, we do have government bodies in place that do a lot of work around this. And it sounds like, um, the biggest holdup is it would cause such a massive disruption in terms of, Right at this point, a very tenuous supply chain for some things. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, Excellent especially point. right with war and your with war in Ukraine, um, particularly and sort of stuff going on, I can very much appreciate that it's like, well, hold on. If we raise the alarm at a high level for this thing that like could have that very well could have real world complications downstream. But that means we can't supply, like the states is still it doesn't have enough baby formula. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, there's, it, it. it's not a straightforward, it's like, do we have people that can have more of their needs met right now, mm-hmm. but long-term this maybe could be a problem versus then maybe in the immediate future, not being able to meet those needs for something that we potentially don't have enough hard data on yet. I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky one. Yeah, this feels like a really large scale Aaron Brockovich kind of moment, right? right. Where, yeah. you know, I totally appreciate- Aaron Brockovich. Yeah, yes. like I appreciate what Jenny's saying in terms of there being like big ramifications. So like when my in my mind, when I think about there are known poisons in out there in the world that we have really good data that demonstrate are really quite terrible for us. Yeah. Like DEET, right? Like that was an yes. example of something specific Perfect. that, or right? agent orange or mm-hmm. whatever, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, totally. When we have really good data and shows that it's bioaccumulating and it's blah, 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 all that stuff, you know, to me, it sort of looks like, okay. So if we take the Aaron Brockovich example of a community, a factory, a set of chemicals with a specific population that was having really horrific, um, health repercussions. And it ended up basically just being like this one company has to do this one thing in order to fix this thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That feels like manageable. And I'm like, we can send in an Aaron Brockovich. Right. And I can use big air quotes, but you know, to Jenny's point, you know, if this is a chemical that is used to keep fats from leaking through containers, Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of like can we guarantee I, I would basically be like okay probably there is that shit on the inside of formula containers yeah, and there are probably babies right now that are yeah. like you know 
I mean, not actually starving from what I have heard, except for the, like, there has been a couple babies who have died because they needed very specific formula and they couldn't get mm-hmm. their hands on it. But the supply chain is already terrible. And right. this is, we're talking about something as fundamental as feeding babies. Now we're feeding babies with just a hint of long lasting poison, you know, wrapped around their yummy, delicious formula, but th- are they going to die right now? So it's, the thing it's that, tricky. Yeah. The thing that feels complicated to me about this is absolutely things should be done. And this is, can't mm-hmm. be a knee jerk thing of like, we just yes. got to pull it out. Mm-hmm. It needs to be like, okay, so we need to either phase it or we need to come up yeah. with a different solution in order to, you know, fulfill the thing that this particular chemical sort of, you know, why it's, why it's being used. I mean, everything's used for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately that is like moving the slowest of boats, right? Yeah. That's like trying to turn the biggest of cruise ships. Like that's going to be a multi probably decade endeavor. And if these things already are around so much, it's probably going to be a few generations before it, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote, works its way out of the system. I can appreciate where something like this is, I am assuming. And again, I don't really know. Cause I also didn't take science in university, um, <laughs> would end up being almost a multi-generational endeavor. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we're really bad at long-term stuff. It's yeah. part of the reason that oh climate my change God, is so hard for we're us. So bad. We're just, yeah, the other thing can. is this feels like if you tell me or the three of us, okay, don't use these products and you'll avoid this. We're like, fine. Sure. Yeah. Right. We have the ability, the privilege, the means to be like, okay, great. So we only buy things in glass containers or whatever. Do you know what I mean? If it's Mm -hmm. the same as like the BPA or whatever like that, right? Like, okay, fine. So we, we make these choices. We avoid this tick. Well, guess, guess who gets the short end of the stick? Yeah. Uh, gain. Yeah. Right. Well, and this is, you're exactly touching on one of the things I see as the biggest issue within the wellness world again and again and again, what we're met with is individual solutions to systemic problems. Exactly. You personally need to stop using nonstick pans and you personally never need eat and never eat fast food. And then you'll be safe. And if you're not, here's a heavy metal detox cleanse for you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which which unequivocally doesn't work, but I'll (laughs) sell it to you and you should do it regularly. And if it doesn't work, it's because you didn't use it properly. It's definitely not because it is not capable of working. Right. Well, and this is just it, right? It's a systemic issue. These chemicals are leaching into our environment. Even if tomorrow, every individual person stopped wearing raincoats. P.S. Like in Vancouver, we haven't seen the sun since September. (laughs) Um this, this solution that is provided within the wellness world is never, you know, to work with a lobby group to further restrict or regulate these chemicals. It's not working with an environmental organization to help protect Canada's Arctic. It's you personally cut these things and you personally will be safe. And, And, you know, the thing that I think is really interesting around that is that if there was like five things like Mm -hmm. that, that we had quote unquote control over, that we could, you know, make sure that we don't inter interact with whatever BPA, this stuff. I don't know what, I don't know what else, right? Like toxic SLS, parabens, sure, what yeah. else are you killing yourself with slowly? Right, exactly. yeah. <laughs> if there was like five things, right. Yeah. Then you could mm-hmm. be like, okay, that's manageable where I think the construct around individual choice starts to break down is in the sheer number and variety of things that we are told to individually choose or opt out of in order to remain quote unquote safe. 
right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have 400 things, let's just say, that we're supposed to be avoiding. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool, but also what? Like, I can't keep a list of 400 things in my brain that I'm supposed, like this chair I'm sitting on is probably killing me slowly. Right. Like, right. It's also not healthy on it somewhere, probably, but it's also not healthy. Right. And this is where, you know, when we've talked about this as a group where orthorexia can really play in, it's not necessarily just about like being hypervigilant about what you're eating and consuming. It's this whole other thing. Like uh, sunscreen's a great example, right? Mm -hmm. I used to be so paranoid about the sunscreen that went on my kids. Right. And I can't tell you how good I feel being like, well, you know, what's a known carcinogen, the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and exactly. You gotta, you can't micromanage all of it or you'll literally go like you will, your mental health will suffer if you have the privilege to micromanage all of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and even in that, like, let's remember one of the biggest uh, issues around PFAS is firefighting foam. You personally have no control over the foam, the firefighters in your community use. No. And also as someone who has lived very recently through a community that was totally ravaged by fires, Mm -hmm. you know, and we were watching them just dump retardant, 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 retardant all over the place. And, you know, I remember driving last summer through, um, through BC to Nelson and there had been a fire earlier in the summer that had made it onto the road and you could see the retardant, like Mm -hmm. still coating Mm -hmm. everything because it has that red color. Yeah. Like that shit's probably super terrible. I don't even want to know what's in it. I'm sure it's the worst. Um, and again, it's like, here's this thing that we know works that's short term. That's going to stop everything from burning down yeah. property, right. livelihoods, all this kind of stuff, people. Um, but the long-term ramifications are X, Y, Z. So I think, you know, once again, this is one of these things where I'm grateful for the people who do this kind of work, who look mm-hmm. at like, okay, this thing that we've used for short-term solutions, AKA mm-hmm. not getting grease stains on my jeans because of my burger. Yeah. Um, unfortunately has some long-term ramifications. And so what do we need to do in order to move from using, you know, this thing that we know was terrible into something else? It's interesting. My family, so I'm going to go on a little tangent here. My family is like addicted to Murdoch mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It's like the most Canadian show ever. And we're totally addicted. There's like 428 seasons. It's great. We could watch it forever. Like there's probably actually like 16 seasons. It's so good (laughs) anyways. And one of the things I find super fascinating is that they often are talking about, you know, drugs that were prescribed at the turn of the century, including Mm -hmm. heroin, including cocaine, including strychnine, including all of these things that we for sure are not using now. Ether. Anyone? Yeah. yeah. Ether. Chloroform. Yeah. Anyone? Right. Like all this, all this stuff that they were like regularly using and regularly, you know, encouraging people to use. And now we don't do that because we know better. Now that's a hundred years ago. I can't tell you the last time somebody was prescribed cocaine for their cold or their cough. Right. (laughs) We actually have cocaine as a stock medication in the ICU because if your nose bleeds like a mofo, we will pack it with cocaine. Excellent vasoconstrictor. No way. No way. Yeah. Okay. So Uh, there you go. But like, there you go. Generally speaking, they're not prescribing cocaine as a cough suppressant anymore, which is one of the oh, things yeah, they used no. to use it for, right? No. So 
what I am encouraged by is that there are people out there in the world who are doing this work. It allows me to go, okay, that's not my job. I should have some awareness Mm -hmm. around it. And like, yes, I do have the option to like really not eat at fast food all that often. And like, I don't know what, what other way that I like buy a a non Teflon pan. Yeah. Right. I have non Teflon pans that we spent a million dollars on that are lovely and should last me the rest of my cooking life. So like, fine, but also again, privilege, right? Like I had the ability to do that. They're expensive. And so, you know, I think, I think in terms of the middle ground for me, the middle ground comes from also as someone who literally has to actively manage her stress levels because of the chronic vertigo that I live with all of the time. Um, I have to come to a place of sort of like, I know enough to make choices for myself. I know that there are other people in the world who are actively working on this problem at a point where it becomes a place where I can participate in creating systemic change around like voting or signing Mm -hmm. a petition or something, something, whatever thing that I can do that I'm happy to participate in that way. And I mean, it may sound sort of uh, cavalier, but otherwise this is not my problem to take on. I am not the person who is supposed to solve this particular issue. And I think that's where I can get to in terms of a middle space only because if, if I don't actively make that choice of sort of Mm -hmm. coming to a mitigated level of involvement and space that it allows to take up in my brain, I will lose my mind over Mm -hmm. all of the things and become totally crippled by just the sheer amount of, you know, environmental, chemical, political, humanitarian, blah, 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 issues out there in the world. I mean, I remember having a really good conversation once with my therapist and she was saying one of the, one of the main things that people are coming into therapy now is because they have got eco anxiety. Mm. They're terrified about climate change. They're terrified. They're like, I don't even want to have a kid because the world's just going to be on fire and burning down and terrible. And so why even bring a child into this world? And that's totally legitimate. Like those are very legitimate fears. Mm -hmm. And also if it's stopping you from, in a sense, kind of living your life, living your life, life, then that's, that's really hard. You know, that's a really hard place to get to. So, you know, I appreciate knowing about stuff like this and Mm -hmm. sort of going, okay, well, how can I, again, this is the individual thing, because again, I do have some options. How Mm -hmm. are some of the ways that I can sort of mitigate this? Mm -hmm. And then sort of pivoting and going, I'm really grateful for the brilliant minds that are working towards the long-term systemic change around this. Cause uh, the thing is, is that there is this much evidence that's conclusive at some point, and it might not be for 50 years, which is right. not great, but at some point, probably something will happen. They did eventually take lead out of gasoline, everybody, you know, like that actually mm-hmm. happened at some point. So that's where my hope can kind of get to, because otherwise it's consumptive. And then what? And then you're a wreck, right? Well, I guess like, Annika, from what you've read, what are the, if there, obviously you said there are thousands of these particular chemicals, but where are the biggest, where, like, if we were going to say like, okay, take home, if you were going to very practically, if you had the privilege and the means to maybe be a bit more selective in terms of certain, um, purchases like where are the big ones yeah I mean in terms of again the tricky thing is like the biggest ones are like the military 
Hmm. and firefighters. Okay. I'm not in the military and I'm not a firefighter. Right. So this well, is and again, pretty promising right. for my household. <laughs> Good news. Yeah. Um, but it's really, it's, it's those like end use consumer goods mm. that have the ability to like have things not stick to them, mm-hmm. whether that's grease, whether that's Teflon, whether that's rain gear, I think, especially living in Vancouver, this is something that I didn't know to look for and ask about, but now these are questions that I can ask. And I think mm-hmm. generally my ethos again, in seeking the middle ground is like, anytime I can find, you know, let I can use less plastic. I can use less single use item things, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm disposable burger wrapper. Again, I'm a human being. We are going to eat fast food. Sometimes that's just how we roll. Um, but it's yummy, yummy. Sometimes it's a good idea. Sometimes it's just delicious and you're driving and what else you going to do? Hey man, I'm not part of a road trip. Okay. For the road trip, mama. Oh no. I'm really, yeah. And it's better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I know my kids would hate me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I think the, you know, the big thing is that we, when we know we can start to look and ask when we have the privilege to do so. Right. 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 Well, and also didn't Canada just announce that there's like, I think there was like six, like single use plastic things that are going to be outright banned like real soon. Isn't it? It's like by the end of next year, I think, which is pretty fast when you look at things like six pack rings and plastic yeah. bags and straws, straws or, or was for- the straws a British Columbia thing? Cause I remember in BC, we were, there was we've already done straws, but straws are now going to be Canada wide as well. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Cause all the straws are paper here now. Yeah. yeah. No, or it might cups. even be Vancouver. Vancouver. It might be has- Vancouver yeah. because, so, because there's a lot of, there's a high sippy cup situation, which honestly sippy cups suck. Like it's, it's a good <laughs> way to force you to bring your own cup because the disposable sippy cups are terrible. They are terrible. Uh, I think also um, plastic takeaway containers. Yeah. Yeah. Styrofoam. Yeah. So there's like, I think there was, I I saw a graphic and there was six sort of major things. So, I mean, hopefully to a certain extent, some of that gets ameliorated. And I think, you know, as, as much as like for those that have the privilege and the bandwidth, you know, where possible, when you can bring your own cup, when you can Mm -hmm. bring your Mm -hmm. own bags, when you can, you know, a lot of these are kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like, whether you're doing it because of the PFAS or you're doing it because of climate change, like bringing your own cup is still a real good idea, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Honestly, you could fit more, man. You get like, <laughs> you can like really. <laughs> you get yeah. your value. <laughs> yeah. And I find, and this might be a Vancouver thing. I find the problem with living in Vancouver is I forget that people smoke. Like genuinely, <laughs> like when I see somebody smoke, I'm like, oh my God, somebody smoke. Like it's a big, because the, we have such a small percentage mm-hmm. of people that smoke in Vancouver. I know mm-hmm. if, yeah. where you are, Lee, you get more, um, you have more. I mean, maybe, but it's also but, like the country. So like, yeah, it's true. Like they're not in your, there's your just but less like people, <laughs> like even walking in downtown Vancouver, man, like there's just not a lot of smokers. I haven't nope. seen, like, I, I assume, um, coffee cups are compostable because Almost every place right. that I get coffee, the cup other than Starbucks, because I mean, I honestly would never buy anything from Starbucks if I didn't have a choice, but like all of our neighborhood coffee shops in my area, the lid, everything's compostable. You put that right in your green bin. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost forget that Vancouver's like a weird, and I'm sure there's other microcosms in other areas, but like all we, on the West coast, probably. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Portland. Yeah, totally. <laughs> probably LA. Seattle, probably. Yeah. Love LA. Portland. Love Portland. Right. But I think it's, you know, we kind of, I, I totally forget that mm-hmm. there's all this stuff that, cause we've, it just goes to show that it works when you say, when they banned straws, mm-hmm. all of a sudden everyone survived without straws. Well, it's all paper straws. And you know, what's interesting is they're not even shitty paper straws. Like they paper straws to used be, to be they used terrible. To they're mm-hmm. great now. Yeah. They're like st- McDonald's. Sorry, McDonald's. We skip the dishes. Skip the dishes. Did you skip the dishes to get McDonald's and <laughs> skip like the dishes is the did <laughs> we did it. And yeah, McDonald's has paper straws. Like yep. they're gone. Like they don't even exist here. Yeah. We had Dairy Queen the other day and it was the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's really interesting. Thank you, Annika. Yeah. yeah thank you for that. Thank you I, for that. Uh, I appreciate terrifying and terrifying and concerning information that we can't do a whole lot about, but it's also now lives in my brain. Okay, good. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, it. I love, I love having a conversation like this around the middle ground because it is so hard and slushy mm-hmm. to find without getting into, you know, full absorption or Mm -hmm. like complete disregard. Like there is a space in the middle. Um, and I think it's really nuanced and it's going to look different for everybody. And so, um, I love, I love a conversation like this. So thank you guys for your grace and allowing me to dig into a whole bunch of meta analysis. I love it when you talk. I love when you talk nerdy to me. It's like the best, (laughs) best part of my day. Best part of my day. Talk nerdy to me. I like it. We're going to make t-shirts that say that. so much for listening to meet me in the middle. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.